by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. It is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program is brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By These Flower and Garden Shop, Main Street in Waitsfield. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you on Main Street in Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden on East Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PNR Lumber, family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Route 15 in Wolcott. And by the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. By Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Route 107 in Bethel, Vermont. And by Polly Construction, a contractor you can trust. One call does it all on Gregory Drive in South Burlington. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. And right now, here is your host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Hi. I got, I got a treat for you. Okay. You have to listen to this. Can you hear that? I can. Wow. Anybody we know? That's my grandson. Hey, wonderful. August, Augustine Burke. <laughs> well, you taught your, your grandchild a nice song. Right? <laughs> well, I have to give all the credit to my daughter-in-law, Allison Burke, and she, uh, she sent that to me out of the blue last week, and, uh, it's been a tough week, so, you know, it was, uh, much appreciated. <laughs> I, 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 I understand. You know, it's funny, the only, I've got to watch what I'm doing. I, I, I'm not a singer at all, as no. people probably know, but occasionally I just kind of sing along to my yeah. guitar. Oh, sure. And my own, and my own seven-year-old granddaughter. <laughs> started singing Grandpa's Train Song. Oh, is that right? Uh, well, I'll give a little bit of it. Passengers will please refrain from flushing toilets while the train is in the station. <laughs> Darling, I love you. We encourage constipation while the train, anyway, is in the station. Anyway, I'm now very careful. I, now I'm very careful as to what I sing in front of my grandchild. Put it that way. <laughs> Yes, they uh, they will repeat anything and everything that you say. Where did you learn that word? Oh, from, from me? Oh, well, don't use it anymore. That's right. I think there's a country western song that goes like that. Yeah. Oh, Lordy. Well, uh, as you were doing the news and you were talking about Route 108, it goes to the notch. The notch there. road. Yeah, yeah, the notch road. You said the Vermont Agency of Trashportation. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. 
And uh, I thought, well, that's right out of the Go to the Dump show, isn't it? it, 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 it well, you know, it, it, it's funny. Uh, it, it's funny. Uh, you know those big signs that are along the interstate that yeah. say don't text and everything? Yeah. Well, yeah. today on Green Up Day, yeah. it says give a hoot, don't pollute. Yeah. As opposed to my idea of move your ass and pick up that trash. They didn't want that one. <laughs> well, Farmer Dave had so, something very similar to say that this morning. I, I, know, yeah, I think he said, I am not your mother. <laughs> yeah. Pick up your trash. There you go. <laughs> well, I, I, I overheard one little story at the, in Maple Corners. Uh, of course, there's a, you know, they got everything collecting and they, they found one trash uh, bag that actually had people's mail in it. <laughs> and so they posted it on uh, Facebook, you know, the picture of the trash and the mail and all the rest. And they called the people and said, hey, you know, your trash is here in Callis because it was a Morrisville address. And uh, so, oh, no, we, we didn't do that. He says, OK, I'll send you a picture of this uh, this address on your yeah. bill. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, come on, man. With You know, every now and then one of the enterprising reporters checks in yeah. with the uh, Department of Transport, Transportation, Transportation. <laughs> and finds out what were some of the most bizarre <laughs> things that were found alongside of the road. And yeah, there, yeah. Can't think of any offhand. A few, a, a few dis, un, unsettling things I, I, would, oh, yeah. I would remember, but yes, uh, yeah. also some very odd things as, oh, as well. So I do. You could only imagine, you know. Uh, well, I've experienced quite yeah. a bit because we're on a rural route and, uh, you know, a dirt road out, out back in Callis, and uh, we have seen everything from washing machines uh, to, you know, burlap bag full of bear parts to, you know, just absolutely everything you could not even imagine, but... They, they might find Judge Crater finally. Remember the Judge Crater? He was a judge that disappeared in the That's 40s. Right. And I think they actually tore up part, of the, part of the Sprain Parkway in New York. Like yeah. Someone said yeah, he, yeah. It was, had been, uh, you know, he was a, Somewhere deposited there. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they, de- they never found him. Yeah, it's like uh, Hoffa, right? Yeah, Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, they where she... never found Jimmy Hoffa, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, uh, don't we have a garden show? Or uh, I was think a... so. Well, wait a minute. This I'm is, in, you know, this is the, in the Green Ups. Spirit, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty but much. On, on a serious note, everybody be careful driving out there. A yeah, boy, that's the truth. Dedicated people who might not, uh, you know, be keeping a close eye on what you're doing. So, oh, yeah. since you're driving, just take it easy when you see the folks there because they're doing yeoman's work. Yes, yeah, I'm, I, I second that motion. Uh, absolutely. And uh, so, um, I got my box of potatoes, mm-hmm. and uh, of course, it came to the house. You know, because I didn't change the address, and we had the house fire, so I've been going out there to get the stuff, or you know, cross the road to get it, and um, you know, so I got a, a whole box of potatoes to plant. You know, seed potatoes from uh-huh. Maine, and uh, and so uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about potatoes. And if anybody has any questions, you don't hesitate to call, no matter if I'm yakking away two four four one seven seven seven. And I think it's uh one eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five is the toll free. Um, although toll free isn't really an issue much anymore, is it? The line still works, and yeah. I think one jumps 
from one to the other. Yeah, but. yeah. So, but anyway, there's both of them. And, uh, and just to, uh, if you miss anything on the show or if you want to go back, uh, there are podcasts online and, uh, I'll be darned. I've actually listened to a few of them just to try to remember what I've already talked about. And, uh, uh, there can be fairly interesting. You know, there's a, a, a lot of information on there. So if you're so inclined or if you're just terribly bored or can't get to sleep, <laughs> you know, <laughs> fire up the podcast on WDEV. I think that's RadioVermont.com, right? Uh, w- oh, dear. No, isn't it WDEV Radio? Uh, is uh, it or well, let's oh, check. Shoot, yeah, what is it? Well, I'm going to find out. What? <laughs> it, uh, it must be. Right? We're a helpful bunch here. <laughs> should, should, so, we do, should we do a take two on this? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no we're no, coming no. to you live and in color. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you just got your potatoes, okay, um, the first thing you want to do with your potatoes is, um, well, is you take them out of the bags and let them warm up. You want them room temperature before you put them in the in the ground you want them to warm up and uh you know if they've been outside on your porch uh, mine was in a plastic bag but it was covered with snow from the roof you know uh so they needed to be warmed up and also if they're in bags uh it's better to uh open them up so that you don't have any um that it's not too too moist and then um the uh once they're warm you can plant them but generally speaking most uh commercial growers actually pre-sprout them uh it's called uh, uh green green sprouting or or chitting uh basically it's pre it's pre-sprouting them and as you know uh, potatoes have eyes <clears throat> And Mr. Potato has ears and arms right. and hats. And, but anyway, uh, they have the eyes, and you can see the little dimples. And when you lay them out in sort of a warmish place, uh, you know, not outside in direct sun or anything, but, you know, on a, a porch or, a, you know, a room, you know, where there's good light, you lay them out. I usually put towels down and lay them out, and I let them pre-sprout. And it usually takes about a week or so before you start to see the little uh, sprouts come out. And, uh, you know, with a little bit of light, they actually turn green. And this uh, this does a couple of things, of course. It, it gives you – it's sort of like growing a set, in a sense, in that it gives you a um, – a, 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 you know, it's going to sprout – before you put them in the ground, so you don't have to worry about them sprouting. I mean, not sprouting or rotting in the ground. That helps that. So anyway, when you um, get them pre-sprouted, depending if they're big potatoes or just small potatoes, um, you can either plant the whole potato if it's about the size, uh, you know, smaller than a large uh, uh, egg, um, you know, about the size of a golf ball or a little bit larger. Those potatoes you can just plant, you know. And if you get, you know, some of the big russets or even, uh, uh, you know, some of the larger ones, the Elba and the, you know, different, different potatoes that are large, uh, you want to cut them and you can cut them into, say, inch and a half. You want at least two sprouts, two eyes. On the pieces, so they're about inch and a half, uh, depending on the size of the potato. You'll get one, uh, you one cut 
um, two spud uh, sprouts, and you'll get uh, um, sometimes three if they're really, really large. So once you've cut those, um, you have sort of a, a cut edge, right, this kind of watery and stuff. Um, you can dip that in some uh, agricultural lime uh, or like dolomite lime or some agricultural sulfur uh, just to protect that cut edge. You, I, that's sort of one of those 50-50 deals. Uh, you know, some people will say you should dust them, and some people say it doesn't make any difference. So that's something you're going to have to decide on your own. I generally uh, dust mine. So, uh, but uh, you know, I've talked to big commercial growers, and they don't they don't cut them and and don't worry about it at all. I mean, they don't dust the cut. Okay, so um, warm the potatoes, then they're green sprouted. Um, you want to uh, um, cut them pretty much just as you're uh, just just before you're you're going to actually plant them. So if you cut them uh, at night, you dust them and you plant them the next day. You don't want them to sit around too long. Did you say we have a call? Oh, Dick in Waterbury. Hey, Dick. Hey, Peter. How are you? Oh, good. Thanks. Good. Hey, uh, question for you on yeah. onions. I've always planted um, onions from sets. Yeah. And last year I bought some seeds and started my own. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. They they grew well, and they were supposed to have been a good keeper onion. I don't recall the yeah. name of them. Copra, maybe. But they didn't keep well at all. Uh-huh. And when you cut into them, they were awful watery. Watery, yeah. Were they... Well, Did they get too much water? Because I tried to water them quite a bit during the summer. And um, well, there's a couple of different things. How was the size on them? Were they like three inches or? Yeah, they were okay for size. Yeah, they were okay for size. And then where were you storing them? Um, in the basement where I've always stored them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the the usually don't have this watery problem. Yeah, uh, and you're you're wondering if the difference is between having bought mm, pot sets and yep. having grown your own. Yep, and I'm growing my own again this year, and yeah. um, I've already got them in. So yeah, oh, you do. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I just got my onion order from uh, from uh, Dix Dixon down in Texas, anyway. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Um, and. I I haven't had the watery problem, but I I've definitely my last year I think I got them in too late and they were they were smallish you know they were only two inches. Yep. yep. And um, but the the watery part just makes me wonder when you first uh, when you first got them uh, I mean when you first harvested them mm-hmm. did you were they watery then or were they nice and solid? Um, I. Think they were pretty solid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it has to be something then in the storage, right? Um, I would think if. Yeah. You know, or it could be the, the variety. Right. Right. And as I said, I, you know, I've always planted um, my onions from sets and yeah. had had good luck with them for keepers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think generally I, I put in Stuttgarters, which are supposed Stuttgart. to be Stuttgart. Yeah, that's yeah. what I, I did too, the Stuttgarts. Yeah. But those were from actually little onions, not 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 the plant sets. Mm-hmm. There's a difference there between the green sprouted onion and the little onion sets. So uh, was it the, the little onion sets that you used? 
or was it the the green plant? Um, it was the little sets, the little onion sets that I used. So they were like little green plants. Yeah, yeah, something oh, you know I could okay. get from Agway and yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, or, and in this case, you grew your own. In this case, I grew my own from gotcha. seed, yeah. Gotcha. And so um, I can't, you know, there's a couple of things that it could be, and I can't say maybe somebody will have a better idea, uh, but there's a couple of things that I think it could be is that they weren't dry enough before you put them in storage. And they do have to dry for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and you, know, uh, you know, until the... The onion skin is nice and crispy. Yeah. You know, yep. uh, okay. Then, yep. So you did that okay. Yeah. And did you cut the uh, the onion uh, uh, roots off? Yep. Okay. Cut the roots off, cut the top off, and <laughs> I don't know, an inch or so. Yeah, right. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah, uh, even if you buy onions from the store, occasionally you get one that has that first layer that's kind of wet and mushy. Yeah, and I was surprised because, you know, I've... Yeah. Had onion sets for a long time, and they've always kept, you know, mm-hmm. very well. And this time, I said, "Well, I'll try something different." And yeah, yeah. Like, mm, they didn't keep well at all. <laughs> they keep well. So I tried them again. I got yeah. different different kinds. I, I, I have to in. say, those those onions that we had, uh, uh, my uh, son's girlfriend braided them, and they've been on the kitchen wall, and we've been just. You know, occasionally one will start to sprout a little bit, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, the braid was a couple of feet long and we'd just been clipping them off and, uh, there were still some left in there. Yep. Uh, yep. They got burnt up in my, the fire, you know, along with my potatoes, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did that a couple of years ago with, oh. uh, my garlic. I braided some and gave yeah. some to my neighbor and said, here yeah. you go, hang it on the wall with a yeah. decoration. And yep. if you want one, pick it off. Take it off. Yeah. yeah. That works surprisingly well. Yeah. Um, I was surprised it worked so well with the onions. I sort of thought they'd be sprouting away. Yeah. So, um, and then the the issue with the water. What um, what uh, uh, did you water more than you usually do? Or um, I think I probably did. I was down watering them. You know, probably a good couple times a week anyway, and I would uh-huh. give them a good soaking and. Uh-huh. Uh, and I thought maybe maybe they just got over the summer too much water. It, I mean, that's a possibility, but it's honestly that's just a guess on yeah, my part. Yeah. And um, yeah. uh, and the other thing is that usually between waterings, you want the you want to make sure that the ground dries out, yeah, so that you're not promoting, uh, um, you know, you don't. You're not promoting molds and stuff on the top, but you apparently didn't have any problems with that. No, I didn't seem to. So mm-hmm. we'll try and it again this year and see what happens. When you're watering, right, are you watering uh, just on top of them? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Huh. And and no sign of any kind of uh, uh, molds or infestations or bugs nope. or anything like that? No. no yep. They look, look good and seem to grow well. And um, My red ones didn't do well at all. I ended up having to buy some sets for those. <laughs> But the yeah. one, the red ones this year seem to take a lot better, and I also threw in some shallots, and we'll try those. Yeah, try them, yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. I, I did the same thing. I, I've got a tray of onions, and I'm about to put them in. And uh, so you, you, um, um, 
You stumped me. I, I'm not sure really why yeah. those would, would be like that. Uh, huh. I'll do a little research, and I'll uh, report back next week. Okay. And maybe somebody will have. We have Steve in Montpelier up, so maybe yeah. Dick will get a hint from him. Yeah, and I also uh, last year for Christmas got your uh, book on sprouts. Oh, and, super. And had Thank a few of those during the winter, and they turned out very nicely. Isn't that you, nice? Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it feels like gardening, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> it okay, has. take care. All right, Dick. Thanks yeah. for the call. Appreciate it. And we have Steve in Montpelier. All right. Steve, are you still there? Steven, Steve, Steven here. Steven. I, uh, I had a question last time about snake worms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's quite the, um, quite, <laughs> it's quite interesting, isn't it? I have well, my question now yeah. is whether they taste like bacon when you cook them up. <laughs> I have to admit that I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, let me pop I've in on Joel. Do. I've heard they do. <laughs> Vermicelli in Italian it means little worms. Oh, really? <laughs> well, these are big worms, so I mean, a worm right. is something else. Yeah, do yeah. they jump? <laughs> Well, it's you know it's one of those things. I, I it's not something that I have ever seen, and uh, I I I did have the opportunity to see a, a very large worm in my yard, and I thought, uh oh, I wonder, you know. So I I poked him a little bit, and he didn't jump. He just curled up like a regular old worm. So I was relieved to to know. Now you say you have these in in uh, in Montpelier? Yes. Boy, there you go. Well, I guess it's only a matter of time. But uh, so far, I've been here for quite a few years. Isn't that something? And uh, I, I guess I was sort of wondering about the, you know, the cycle. Um, so once they've eaten all the stuff in the under, you know, uh, what happens then? Because then they run out of food. You know, so their population goes down again, right? Yeah. I don't know anything about it. But yeah, yeah. I just, you know, they've always interested me. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> well, maybe you should start a food. snake worm circus, you know. You could get a box of <laughs> yeah. a few of them, put them in a cage. You could take them down to the yeah. farmer's market, and the kids would be fascinated, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then that that might solve your problem because after that everybody will be doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, no. I, I I'm I'm not so sure what we could do uh, about it other than just um, you know. Well, it's not a problem. It's just a question of how they taste. Oh yeah. <laughs> you see, I've been avoiding that. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm sorry, I am not going to do it. <laughs> okay, you're on your no. own on that one, Stephen. I, you're going right. to have to. But uh, I would probably uh, uh, fry them in a little bacon grease just to make sure. <laughs> Don't they say you can you can fry anything in bacon grease and it tastes good? <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, anyway. all right. Well, good luck with the uh, and I'll I'll be waiting for your next update. All right. <laughs> the snake worm update from. All I did uh, was walk downstairs <laughs> to get my cooler, well, and I'm out of breath. <laughs> I have to tell you, thank you. Uh, 
I have this bag of fiddlehead ferns. Freshly picked in, oh, in, in the morning man. rain. <laughs> Look at that. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's fiddlehead time. At least a, about a, uh, maybe a week or five days early yeah. in my backyard oh. because of the fact that it's all open. But underneath the trees where the dandelions yeah. grow in those swampy areas, probably, uh, well, probably today, you know. I, I just drove down through the notch in, in Woodbury and, um, uh, skunk cabbage is, is really, uh-huh. really, you know, it's up about, oh, six, eight inches or so, but, uh, the fiddlehead ferns are not up yet down there. Yeah, they, boy, I tell you, when they come up, it's pop, it's pop, overnight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're in the banana belt there, so. Right. Speaking of which, the banana belt, if you have potatoes, you actually can plant them now because it takes about three weeks for them to pop up out of the soil. So once you've cut those potatoes and you've, you know, green sprouted them and you're all set to go, um, you set them down, uh, about four inches. Um, you know, it's, it's fairly deep and, uh, you cover them up and they should be up in about two or three weeks. Um, and that should that'd be about right for you where you are. That your last frost is usually about May fifteenth, and for us, uh, I plan on a last frost of of June first. Yeah, I always assume it's like April twentieth is the last <laughs> frost, and put out hanging baskets, and then the wife says, "Get him in! It's going to be twenty nine <laughs> degrees tonight." You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's it. The in um in Ed Smith book, you know, the the Bible, um. He's, he sort of, and he's always said, you know, actually, if you plant them a little late, uh, they miss the cycle of the uh, Colorado potato beetles. So, you know, don't worry about planting them a little on the late side because they have plenty of time to grow and mature and be ready for fall, um, even if you plant them as late as, uh, you know, the second week of June. Uh, they, they will grow. You know, your bigger varieties, you might want to get an early start, but the the um you know the smaller potatoes like um oh the rose gold uh, those are one of my favorites for the uh for uh, potatoes cuz you can you know you can uh, pick them out early and and have those uh, new potatoes new they're delicious new potatoes so uh let's see we have a call and we'll catch up potatoes later let's take a call from Mitch in Pittsburgh is that right, Pittsford? Pittsfield. Oh, Pittsfield. Mitch, you're on. Oh, okay, Mitch. Welcome. About snake worms. Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they're absolutely awful for your garden. Oh, yeah. They, uh, just, they, uh, they're nothing but uh, trouble. Huh. And they, so uh, this is a, a problem you've had? Oh, yes. I, I work in a, a wonderful garden, one of my customers, and uh, we've had snake worms for years. Yeah. I never knew what they were until... Uh, I read an article about them. Yeah, yeah. And they, what they do is, uh, they generate, um, I guess, uh, the, the uh, top uh, layer of soil becomes, uh, useless. Really? From what they, uh, yes. Wow, cause they, they consume the, the humus in the, in the soil? They, exactly. And then the, all of a sudden, uh, you don't know why your plants are dying, uh-huh. but you have these wonderful worms. Yeah. The worms are uh, totally horrible for uh, gardens. Huh. Um, so it's been years for you, then. You said you've had yes. them. I've, I've experienced. Uh, yeah. I've experienced this, but this year they weren't bad because of the drought. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> but yeah, if you see if you if you uh, experience jumping worms, yeah, in your garden, yeah, those are snake worms. Oh wow, they're, uh, they're absolutely they're absolutely awful for your garden. There's articles out there on them. So what? Uh, yeah, I read some of them. They sort of read like a, a horror movie. Um, yeah, and and so what did you? do about them did you just try to feed them and or did you put more manure on or you know well, uh, they uh, they say that that uh, composting actually uh in, increases their uh, fertility but uh-huh. it's uh but all i've done is every everyone i've grabbed in the garden i throw it in the compost bucket and throw <laughs> it over the bank oh yeah yeah huh but, uh, you know, if you if you experience a worm that's jumping around and uh, you, you think it's all cute and uh, happily, they don't eat fish. Don't even eat them. Oh, There's is that right? Them. Yeah, that's yeah, why I was wondering if there was a some sort of predator that that might like them, but no. Well, no, I don't think I don't think birds like them either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the the iconic uh, robin in the spring pulling the worm out of the soil. You know that <laughs> you sort of assume yeah, that they, there must be a bird that uh, would like them. No, they don't come out until summer. Their mm-hmm. larvae stays uh, mm-hmm. dormant until uh, until mm-hmm. it gets moist and uh, mm-hmm. happy. But if you see jumping worms in your garden, mm-hmm. get rid of them as soon as possible. And there's a a treatment you can put in your garden, but it's got to be a strict regimen. I can't oh. remember what it is. Oh, oh. okay. Well, All right. Yeah. Well, Mitch, thanks for the happy news there. Hate to bring bring there. But if you have jumping worms in your garden, it's not good. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Thank you. you know, Thank I you guess, very much. I guess we'll have to figure out what the what those things are that you put in if you can find them. Uh, we have another call from uh, Glenn in Brookfield. Welcome aboard. What's going on in Brookfield? Hi, guys. Hey. Glad to hear you on. Oh well, good. It's good to hear you too, Glenn. What's up? I got a I got a new rose red garden, and uh, it's about waist high. Yeah, and it's uh, three by five, or no, four, three by four, four uh, by three. Four, and okay. And tenants is high, and there's nothing in it. What's the best uh, soil to put in it? I plan to grow carrots, beets, and onions. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. What I use is a is what I call a perfect soil. <laughs> it's a, it's a one third mix of peat moss, vermiculite, and compost. And and that's yep, peat moss, perlite, and compost. Now you can buy a whole bale of the peat moss and vermiculite. It's called germination mix. Uh, Lambert's or uh, Promix both sell uh, excellent quality, and it's the peat moss and the vermiculite is already mixed. So you could put a bale of that in, and then um, and then do. Uh, uh, figure that's the half, and then add another third in compost. Ba- I prefer bag compost because it's it's uh, more likely to be weed seed free. And so, so what kind of compost? Uh, uh, it's bagged. You know, like you get at the yeah the bag uh, yeah the bag yeah. compost yeah. And I'm gonna go to Agway. Yeah. So vermiculite, yep. peat moss. Yeah. And compost. Compost, yeah. Uh, the Moodoo so, I've used for years, and that's, that works fine. I yeah. use Carl's uh, Manure Compost, uh, Carl Hammers, Vermont Compost Company. Uh, Blue Seal has that one. Um, 
but the the Moodoo, and I've even used some of the other ones that are there. They all seem to work yeah. about the same. Now you have to understand that this is um, this is perfect soil, okay? But it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily have the nutrients in it, the NPK that you need. So uh, that's that's your growing medium. Okay, that's what's called. Yeah. I call it perfect soil, but it's a perfect growing medium, and so you still need to add um, a, f- a few things to that. And I always add um, at least uh, a cup. What size you you said it was three by five? Three by four. Three by four. Okay, so it'd be about the same yeah. as what I use a cup of um, a good organic fertilizer like the Progo uh, from Northern Organics. Um, a, a cup of uh, uh, lime, dolomite lime. I use a, a cup of uh, sea kelp, and then a, a, a cup of uh, azomite. And the azomite is a rock powder. It's just ground up. If you find some other, you know, rock powder, that works perfectly fine. But uh, the combination of those things give you both your NPK and your um, uh, and your your uh, macronutrient micronutrients you know the the lesser known ones that's in the rock powder so yeah. I don't want to take up too much time but I missed the second one I got yeah. a cup of organic fertilizer yeah sea kelp and, and uh, cup of uh, dolomite lime so. yeah or just regular ag lime, lime any kind that. of lime uh, and that sort of uh, sweetens up the peat moss a little bit and then um, okay. And then uh, uh, the, 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 the sea kelp. The sea kelp has yeah. a, a lot of the uh, trace minerals in it. And the azomite, the, the yeah. or, or any kind of rock powder you can get from from uh, a nursery or something. Just, but the azomite is. Perfect. R- I, I so appreciate you guys. <laughs> thank you for the help, and let's get another call on the line. All right. Well, thanks for the call, Glenn. Good luck. Let me know how thank it goes. You. Yep. And uh, this announcement uh, from the Kate Farm, calling all gardeners, it's coming up for Kate Farm's plant sales, and you can order seedlings online for curbside pickup, and the first day is Friday, May 7th, uh, and uh, the uh, following Saturday, May 8th. That's the first of several weekends that the Kate Farm is doing this. You go online katefarm.com for information and all the latest updates and you can browse the wide selection of healthy organic veggie starts, culinary and medicinal herbs, annual and perennial flowers to get your garden growing. Kate Farm has been growing for Central Vermont for over 40 years. Again, visit katefarm.com and uh, if directions help well they're located in East Montpelier between Route 2 and Route 14 on Coburn Road watch for the signs they are out there and for more information go to katefarm.com you'll find everything you need to know there but uh, mention that uh, you put your order in and then the days that you can pick up are consecutive weekends Fridays and Saturdays and up and coming it's May 7th uh, Friday and May 8th, Saturday, at the Kate Farm on Coburn Road, katefarm.com. And once again, here's Peter. Hey, yep, I plan to go there myself. Uh, I'm gonna, guess I'll try the uh, online order this year. Uh, I th- we did a little of that last year, and, and uh, it's uh, uh, worked well. So, and because uh, I 
I lost a bunch of my sets uh, last weekend. We're going to um, we're going to have to buy sets this year. <laughs> and um, let's see now. We uh, where'd we leave off with the potatoes? Well, we we started about. Uh, did you say you had a caller there? I'm writing it out, but I'll just say it. Nancy in Morrisville is hey. on the line. Nancy, how are you? Uh, good afternoon, and thank you. I appreciate the program. Sure. Got a question about fertilizing. Yeah. Um, talk about some homegrown seedlings and some plant starts. So, how soon after planting is it wise to fertilize? Oh, okay. Um, uh, can you turn your radio down? Because I'm, oh, yeah. I'm hearing you re- repeat everything. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Well, I'll lose. <laughs> uh, we all do it at least once or twice. <laughs> so, Nancy. Um, planting or wait and how long? Yeah. So, uh, give me a, for instance, what are you planting? Oh, basically vegetables, all the normal ones. Yeah, tomatoes, tomatoes and that kind of thing. Well, um, like I was just mentioning, you want to start with uh, uh, a general fertilizer um, before you plant. Um, and if you haven't already put a general fertilizer on, go ahead and do it now. And then you'll see uh, right on the bag or whatever you you got, uh, um, your fertilizer comes in. It should be printed what the, the plant, what the fertilizing routine would be. Generally, most of them say every two weeks. Um, uh-huh. to, to add, uh, it comes out to about a tablespoon per square foot. Uh, some things are a little heavier feeder and some things are lighter feeders. Um, the, the good thing about an organic fertilizer is that it doesn't, um, it's not a water soluble, uh, fertilizer. So it's going to break down slowly in the soil. Uh, versus, um, you, you know, a, a water soluble, which will be available almost immediately. So as you, you know, you add a little bit uh, every couple of weeks or every, you know, uh, three weeks, whatever, it's just a small amount. And that way it has time to break down and it'll feed the, feed the soil, feed the critters in the soil, it'll break down the, and then that'll feed the plants. Um, you can also, uh, uh, on your heavy feeders, uh, your, your most of your broccoli, your cold plants, uh, any kind of a corn or bean. You can also do a foliar spray. Are you familiar with that? A foliar spray. A little bit. Yeah, you'd have to get a little uh, sprayer. I, I have a one-gallon sprayer that I got um, at, at Agway or it was Blue Seals, one of them anyway. And uh, so you make up a mix of um, um, either uh, sea kelp or liquid sea kelp or or the combination of uh, liquid uh, fish fertilizer and sea kelp. And uh, it's a fairly small amount. It's a tablespoon or two per gallon. And you spray all the leaves on that. And that has a, a beneficial effect on the plants, but it also helps to prevent certain mold problems. And, you know, uh, so it's a, it's a good it's a good plan to do that every few weeks um, as you go along. And when I had my soil test done this year, um, he actually recommended doing a, a chelated zinc, and that that's new to me, so I'm going to try that out before I recommend it. But um, the uh, uh, the 
the fish fertilizer or the combination of fish and seaweed uh, liquid fertilizer is a great way to supplement anything that's uh, that's in the ground for you. It'll make up for anything that's lacking in the ground. That's a that's a good way to fertilize. So you've got the combination of um, you know a regular organic fertilizer like the ProGrow, um, and I think. Um, Oh, Gardener Supply also has a couple of different varieties that they use and sell. But anyway, uh, one of the um, organic fertilizers, and it's about a teaspoon per square foot. Though, so that's a cup in my four by four bed. Um, and so it's not a huge amount; it's just a small amount. But it's it creates, uh, what do you say, a steady flow, a steady availability of nutrients. Because uh, as soon as you put that in, it's really not available to the plants. So you just you just keep putting a little bit in, so as it breaks down, it's available to your plants. So you have things like, uh, um, oh, they'll have like a cotton seed meal or you know different kinds of uh, seed meals in there, and they'll have um, oh rock phosphate and um, all the different things that, that are in a, a, a organic fertilizer. Those are not available today. Those take a little while to break down. So you just add a little bit every every couple of weeks, so there's a steady supply. Does that okay. is that give you a good idea? Or? It does. I just need you to repeat the concentration for the general organic fertilizer. It was one teaspoon. Uh, yeah, one teaspoon per. It's a tablespoon for one square foot. Okay, so if you've got a broccoli plant, that's usually in one square foot, so it'd be a tablespoon. Um, just around the, you know, the drip line of the plant or anywhere in the square and just rake it in with your fingertips or a rake. And then, um, the liquid fertilizer, the foliar fertilizer, that's a, a couple tablespoons in a gallon of water and you just spray all the leaves with that. So. Okay. Okay. So the combination of something in the soil that's going to break down slowly, and then something available right now with the with the liquid or you know the soluble water soluble um, fertilizer. So. Oh, okay. That's a good combination, and it'll should serve you well uh, for throughout the summer. Just adding a little bit in the soil and a little bit on the leaves. Great. And so a healthy plant is also more resistant to insects. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, that's one of the advantages they, they call, talk about, you know, using um, serenade or compost tea or any of those things that you spray on the leaves. It keeps the, the leaves at a, at a pH that makes it less likely to get things like powdery mildew or, or even some of your viruses, uh, you know, uh, so that's, you know, that's a good thing. And, and then it'll also make sure that, like the blossom in rod on a tomato, you know, you're, you're, you're making uh, those nutrients available so you're a bit less likely to have problems like that that are just imbalanced in the soil. And that's, that's kind of the neat thing that I found about doing the soil test was, um, there was, uh, well, when you think of it, you know, like vitamin C, everybody knows, you know, from Captain Cook. I mean, that was in the 1800s. You know, vitamin C. If you don't have enough of that, it it you know your teeth get you know affected. And so, little things even in the body of a human being. It's same thing is true within the soil. 
you know, uh, uh, for the plants. Just small things make a big difference. So what you're doing is you're feeding your soil. And by feeding the soil and all of the, the, you know, the little micro guys in there who are working and eating up that stuff and then they make it available to the plants. So you're, you're feeding the soil and then you're feeding the plant with a foliar feed. It makes it work out pretty good. And, okay. yep. So, yeah, Nancy, let me know how that goes. See if you have any problems with it. Um, or if you need me to remind you, <laughs> just give a call, okay? Okay. I do have another question about yeah, sure. pruning tomatoes. Uh, what, what tomatoes? Uh, well, how if it's appropriate to prune tomato plants. Um, I know there's determinate and indeterminate, and well, I guess it's the... Oh, go ahead. You finish your question. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Oh, no, just it seems to me that the uh, indeterminate are the ones that are going to sprawl more and the determinate are going to be a more compact plant. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. So they're... They, they really have two different purposes. It's, it's a lot like bush beans and pole beans. You, know, you have right. bush tomatoes and, in, a, in essence, a pole tomatoes. Um, and a lot depends on your own inclination and also what you're going to use them for. If you're planning on canning your tomatoes, right, oh. uh, the bush tomato is a better choice because it will bear the tomatoes in a very short period of time. You know, it, it'll bear... Uh, and then, it, then it's done. It's uh, it's determined. It finishes once it grows up about uh, oh three or four feet, and it you get your harvest of tomatoes, and uh, and you're finished. The other the other the pole tomatoes, so to speak, or the the indeterminate the vining tomatoes, those you need a, a good six foot uh, trellis. I mean, they will go very very high, and uh, the tomato cages, you know, those wire cages, are not well yeah. suited to an indeterminate variety because they're about three feet too short. Uh, when I I have my trellises are actually eight feet tall and. I'll frequently have uh, um, my cherry tomatoes on there. And so now the indeterminate cherry tomato um, will bear soon, you know, sooner than anything else because they're small, but they will continue to bear all season long. So by the time of the last frost, you'll still have green tomatoes at the top and, you know, um, yeah. you can top them off and, you know, a few weeks before the last frost and they'll ripen up. And so that's a whole different purpose because, you know, you want to go out and have a few tomatoes for your fresh salads, you know, along with your lettuces and everything else. So it's a different, it's a different purpose, you know, and that's why you choose different ones and for, um, uh, for your garden. You want to just sort of think ahead about, well, I want, I want some tomatoes to put in, uh, put in the freezer. And we just, um, um, we've got, uh, oh, probably about 20 bags of frozen tomatoes and, and, uh, we're, we're gonna, uh, start making sauce now because they're frozen and all I have to do is, is, um, you know, thaw them out. Uh, and when you thaw them out, 
right at the very beginning, the skins slip right off, so that makes it easy to to work with. And then we'll chop them up and make a fresh tomato spaghetti sauce or whatever else. And so those are Roma tomatoes, and those grow on um, those grow. You can do the bush ones if you want. We chose to go ahead and do them on the uh, the determinant the indeterminate ones that grow the vines because we knew we were just going to freeze them. So as they ripened up, you know, we bag them up and put them in the freezer, and that made that easy. I stay away from wow. the, the bigger tomatoes like your brandy wines and, and the beefsteaks and stuff because I just can't get them to, to ripen up. You know, they, just yeah. my season well, in growing. central Vermont is just too short. So I go for the Jetstar, and that was uh, Ed uh, Smith was always a big fan of the Jetstar. And that's a sort of a medium-sized tomato, but they're wonderful, delicious, they're good eaten, and uh, we even froze some of those too. So, um, so you have your, you have your, uh, tomatoes, you know, quick is the small saladette or the cherry tomatoes. Then you've got your bush tomatoes, which is more for, uh, you know, canning or freezing or whatever you're going to do with them. And then you have, um, some of your, um, you know, your slightly larger tomatoes that you're going to use for eating. And so choose what you want. That's, <laughs> little of each. yeah, that's kind of how you, why you use one tomato over another tomato, why you use a determinant over an indeterminate. Sure. Okay. Well, I understand a lot better, and thank you very much. So, yeah, so you want a little bit of both, a little bit of the bush and a little bit of the vine. Sounds good to me. Yeah, thank you very much. Make sure you do those cherry tomatoes because those are the most rewarding, and you'll have those much quicker than everything else. And uh, there's nothing like uh, cherry tomatoes. We use the cherry tomatoes. I make a... Uh, um, a Greek salad. Mm-hmm. I chop up the cherry tomatoes, and when I get a fresh cucumber, I don't care how big it is, fresh cucumber. And then we'll get some uh, some of the block feta cheese and some calamatra olives with a little uh, balsamic vinegar and uh, some uh, olive oil, just a dash of salt. And I'll tell you, that's a that's a great salad. Can't wait. <laughs> Those Kalamazoo olives, I really like. Kalamazoo them. olives, yes. <laughs> I, th- I think that goes right along with the agency of uh, trash uh, portation. Yeah. Somebody's going to have my hide for that. I'll find me a side, a side of the road on Green Update. Okay. Well, I didn't get through everything on the potatoes today. Um, you know, once... Uh, uh, we left off. I guess we'll start up uh, with hilling the tomatoes next week because that's really uh, that's the the next step is hilling, and it's a very important step. Uh, I'm going to write that down so we know where to start. So if you have questions on uh, what to do with your potatoes uh, or your onions, for that matter, um, uh, give us a call next week, and we'll uh, we'll uh, talk about it. And I'm going to do a little more research on our snake worms to see if there is a remedy for the for the um the infamous snake worm and do you have another collar there yeah okay you got another collar hi this is peter burke who's this 
had, I had an uh, off-the-air question, yeah. and then we had an on-the-air caller. So, Oh, okay. Okay, it's like the old uh, What's My Line program. <laughs> you know, come on in and sign in, please, uh, your first name in town. <laughs> Steve from Marshall. Hey, Steve. Um, I got a question. Where do I get my soil tested? Ah, uh, that's a great question, and we talked about that a little bit, uh, not last week, the week before. Um, I got my soil tested in a place called Logan Labs, and you, you have to go online to find the address and all the Logan rest. Logan Labs. Logan Labs. Okay. They're in Ohio, near the lake, and I just, I found they were, they were very, very helpful, and I actually signed up for the, um, uh, you can sign up with a, an agronomist who will help you understand what all that stuff means. And they do a great job uh, of to actually telling you what exactly you need to put in the soil. Um, you know, because now, can I take like my sample like from just one spot in a garden, or you know, do you think all the, my whole garden's like? I took 60 feet long. Does I, it, you know, yeah. middle, the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it matter? Um, uh, what I did is I have an upper garden and a lower garden. The upper garden, I, I double dug uh, 24 inches deep on all the 4x4 four four beds. The lower garden, I just put my 6-inch boxes and put the perfect soil in and took off. And so I thought, well, there would be a big difference between them, and actually there wasn't much difference. But uh, um, the the... The help that they gave was very, very specific. You know, you need, if you got to do a little math work because they give you a formula for a, a, either a per acre or per a thousand square feet. Um, so that that's a challenge, you know. But um, you you probably can find somebody to give you a hand if it it overwhelms yeah. you. But uh, yeah, I should probably figure that part. Yeah, probably okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. It's just one of those things. Well, you know, it's two pounds per thousand square feet. How many thousand square feet do I have? Right, you know, exactly right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. So that that's gets your head scratching a little bit. But uh, when I talked to the agronomist, um, and uh, he actually wrote a book that the Logan Lab sells, uh, and um, his uh, his book was. Um, uh, I have to say, it was a little over my head. I mean, I got the concepts fine, but the specifics, I. It wasn't, it, I couldn't quite get what I needed to do in my soul. So the consultation with the agronomist was a big help. And it's 30 bucks, but uh, I thought it was well worth it. Right. And well, thank you. you can also get it through the UVM. Uh, oh, locally. That yeah, locally. And uh, sometimes, that one you can want to check right online. It's the same thing. Check online. And they say that they, uh, most of your um, nurseries have uh, uh, bagel, bags, labeled bags, not bagels, but labeled bags. <laughs> so, like transportation. Yeah, transportation <laughs> and bagled bags, you're right. <laughs> oh, help me. Uh, so anyway... Um, if not, though, they give you, uh, they tell you basically a good Ziploc bag. And what I did is I actually put a, a, a piece of uh, packing tape right over the top so that, you know, if it came apart in, uh, it did, it wouldn't spill all over the place. But you take, what you do is you want to take a sample from the top of your garden down six inches. Okay. Cause most okay. of the, the soil testers are for the top six inches of soil. And then you you take that out, you put it in your bag, and then you let it dry out, actually. 
and then you sh- then you ship it. You bag it up, tape it up, and put it you know in some you know a, a, either a protected bag or a box, shipping box. I used uh, three spots in my lower bed and three spots in the upper bed, and you know once uh, once that all dried out, I mixed it up and put it in the bag. So that's kind of the routine. Uh, both the UVM uh, extension uh, and the Logan Labs have very specific instructions, and they're a big help, I have to say, to tell you, you know, what what you're looking for, what we're actually testing for. Right. Well, okay. thank you very much for your time. Great show. Yeah. Okay. Have Glad a nice you, day. Yeah, you too, Stephen. Steve. And did you said you had a question off the air too? Oh no, just uh, people, you know, chatting. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. We're a very friendly radio station. Oh, yeah. so, so I guess we're uh, we're about at wrap up time. If you oh, okay. Final words. All right. Yeah. Final words is uh, I'll see you next week. If you have any problems, uh, I'm going to continue with the uh, potatoes. Uh, what to do because next week it'll be about time to to start planting. So this week you want to get them out, warm them up, get them green sprouted. And you'll be all ready to plant maybe uh, next week. Okay? Sounds good. All right. Thanks, everybody. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, Row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. In the Garden with Peter Burke has been brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, Main Street, Colchester. Your locally owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden on East Montpelier Road. Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. PR Lumber, family owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Route 15 in Walkett. The Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating over 120 years of family ownership. Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Route 107 in Bethel, Vermont. And by Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust. One call does it all, Gregory Drive in South Burlington. And the Kate Farm. Do join us again next week for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile.